Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me is Sonny Ship and Shay Dixon. Um, we're here to talk about the LSU basketball team that is now 8-0 and on the season. We The last podcast we did on the basketball team, I believe, was after the first game against UL Monroe with um, the whole staff. We were all excited, obviously, uh, to see this new team. And now we're about, what, a month and change into the season, and we've seen this team go through the goods and – even some bad, you know, even though they are undefeated to this point. If you ask Will Wade after the game yesterday, uh, there was plenty of bad to talk about, but um, which, I, which I guess is a shameless plug to go check out our YouTube and check out the interview, the post-game presser there. But guys, we're going to talk about, we'll touch on the Ohio game first, and then we'll get into, you know, some overall takeaways and then what we think about this team going into conference play. But let's start with that Ohio game. Uh, just to give our quick takeaways. We don't have to go in too much depth because we have plenty, like I said, to talk about overall but um where do y'all want to start with the ohio game y'all want to start with the good or the bad y'all positive or negative today i can start negative bad. Where do, yeah, where do we start? <laughs> we're all negative we all. today great <laughs> so, no, you go ahead do the well you shamelessly plugged it the press conference you want me to do the wade press conference it's uh first he yeah. just sits there real mad and then cobble will ask him a question and then realize how mad he is so then he'll just start to stutter through the question to cut them off. And then Will will do the, we're not good enough. We're not good enough. Y'all, y'all sat out there. Y'all loved it. Seven and oh, eight and oh, y'all were having fun. I told y'all I was the only one who said it. I was the only one who said it. We're not good enough. Let me think. Uh, 17 turnovers, 17 turnovers, 68 to 49 in shots. They shot 20 more shots than we did. You're never, you're not going to win. I don't care unsustainable y'all can, y'all can be happy about it that it's not sustainable it's yep. not sustainable yep and then yep. maddie b will ask a question about the point guards to try to defuse them i don't know they're all right they're fine they're all right still turn it over a lot yeah so that was a uh, a lot he of fun pissed. yeah it was it was a lot of fun to finally see that side of him because like i'd been to some practices and i'd seen you know him flash i mean obviously in practice it's a different animal but in the, in the post-game pressures after the wind, it was like, okay, they're getting through it, getting through it. We didn't get to talk to them after the Penn State and Wake Forest games, obviously. And then this one, it was like, they're tied, just for some context for those who maybe don't know, they go up 14-0 uh, to zero in the first eight minutes of the game. They end up leading 21-3 to three, 10 minutes into the game. And then Ohio goes on a run to tie the game at 37-37 to 37 with uh, 14, and, 14 and a half minutes left, I believe it is. And then Ohio State ends up putting the game away and wins sixty-six to fifty-one. Uh, just a really weird roller coaster game. Sonny, what did you what did you see from that one? Well, it's like I, you know, I, I didn't make a ton of posts because we were we were trying to decorate the tree last night uh, while keeping up with the game. But listening to my son uh, slamming doors and, and beating on the wall and stuff made me obviously realize things weren't going too good. So I started watching it a little bit. And he started kind of filling me in and everything. And uh, you know. It, it the way that LSU the way that the players acted on the possession right before Will Wade called the timeout when I think Ohio either tied to score or whatnot and LSU just walked LSU just came down the floor there was zero ball movement there were nothing but heads looking down and it was it was actually it was an embarrassment it was an embarrassing effort that they were had given over that five or six minutes because when you look at LSU. And I'm huge. I'm a huge proponent of, you know, the one thing that you can always control, regardless of how good you are, how good your opponent is, is intensity and effort. And I always lump those two things in together. And the intensity and effort that we had seen from LSU through the pretty much through the first seven games, minus a couple of lapses that you're going to have dealing with the new team. Um, had been pretty good for the most part. But I thought last night really just showed – really you just – the players got caught, I think, in a situation to where they jumped out on Ohio early, 
And it was almost like they thought the game was over when it was 14-0 because it was hard for LSU to climb back into that that latter half of the first half. Um, and they really need to get to the locker room, you know. So I, I thought that the effort and the intensity probably for about maybe a six, seven, I don't know, eight-minute span was, was as bad as we have seen even going back to last year. And last year, I was a big, I was a big critic of the effort and the intensity that they showed in a lot of cases. And I thought last night it, it was really lacking. And if you're ever, to me, if there's ever a situation where you want someone to go Billy uh, Bobby Knight on on the floor, you know, start throwing chairs, do what you yeah. got to do. I thought it was last night, so I was glad to see Will Wade that he was so mad and so pissed off in the press conference because I was looking and I was like, man, I was like, why is he just not? going ballistic right now with you know with with the lack of the energy that they're showing yeah. so it was good to see it in the post conference because i can only imagine that it was cranked up quite a few more notches in the halftime locker room yeah he said i i after the game he said he was just trying to get through it honestly like he was he has a 10-day break now before the next game which is another reason why i wanted to get this podcast out is there's 10 days before the next game against georgia tech and that's where the reset's going to come that's where the changes are going to come um you mentioned the effort this team doesn't have what last year's team had, right? Last year's team had Javante Smart, Cam Thompson, off and Watford, who could just score the ball without, you know, without blinking. They could just walk on the court and score 70 points. This team doesn't have that, as we'll talk about more in depth as we go in this podcast. But last night was the first time we we're like, okay, guys, if you're not trying, you're going to lose. You, you can't just walk in and beat a, a decent Ohio team. Like, that's what it shows. Against SEC teams, it's going to be a battle every single night and that's what i think they're gonna have to realize and i think they have realized it like you said they've been good for the most part i think effort wise this was just the first time we've seen them really dip and it really cost them last night's effort last night's effort they probably don't regroup like they did against ohio and they're not able to just kind of flip that switch i think if you're playing auburn you're playing kentucky Arkansas, uh, even Tennessee, you know, the the uh, the upper echelon teams in the SEC, you're probably leaving last night with a 12 or 14 point loss, because I don't think when they get an SEC play, I don't think that they'll just be able to flip that switch. And all of, all of a sudden, they'll be so much, uh, so much better athletically than their opponents, like they were last night. Yeah. Anything else on the game, Shay? Well, I mean, I think if you're also going to knock them and say it was a really bad game, it was their best start that they've had. And it was probably one of the better final six minutes they've had, too. I mean, There's I think the they got it. That's true. Yeah. I think they got it to three, maybe. And it wasn't even a game the final six minutes. I mean, they played good defense the rest of the way. They hit all their free throws, mostly the rest of the way. I know a couple guys missed one in there, but it wasn't like. It went from a 20-point game to a three-point game and then quickly back to like a 12- or 13-point game and stayed there. So is I know Wade was mad, and it's you know fans can say it's frustrating seeing him get back, but it was never that close. I mean, Ohio never pulled ahead. Right when they got back within three, they pushed it all the way back to double digits. So there's still, even when you're not perfect and you're beating an Ohio team who's a tournament team, I mean, that's a team that will go back to the tournament this year. I it's funny, I was talking to earlier in the day, Jimmy Burrow, Joe's dad, uh, coached at Ohio forever, I think 20-something years as D.C., uh, and I texted him, I said, big game tonight. He said, yeah, it'll be the one I, only one I don't root for the Tigers. Uh, but he said, keep an eye on uh, number five, who I guess ultimately was uh, Vanderplas. He said, kid's amazing. He'll you know shoot the lights out. I looked up, it was like 15 minutes in the game. He didn't even have a point, and then he just went off. So a huge part of them coming back was Vanderplas got hot and hit like four threes in a row at one point, nothing but net. Uh, and then they got a little bit more in his face. I think they put Eason on him at one point and that kind of quieted him down. Um, but he was the real deal. Like that's a good team. I mean, that is a team that will get into the tournament that can win a game that will may win, you know, have a chance to win their conference and has some older guys, especially a guy like Vanderplas, he can go out there against, anybody and get you double digits like that's no big you saw he played last night so that that's a good test for him that's why you have belmont liberty ohio all of these teams on the preseason slate those are the teams that play really sound basketball and have a lot of experience yeah uh just to quickly i mean they've gotten to eight no by basically winning every game by well they've won every game by 16 or more points um before 
the Emerald Coast Classic, which I think we can talk about when we you know talk about the overall look at this team, where they went and played Penn State, and they went to overtime. Offense struggled in that game as well. Uh, the defense really pulled it out. They got some a lot of offensive rebounds in that one. Uh, end up winning 68-63 in overtime. Then they played Wake Forest on Saturday, the same day that uh, LSU football played AM. So I watched that game on and off. Um, Shay and I were watching that on and off in the press box. Uh, they win 75-61. They were in control from most, if not all, of that game. And then the Ohio, the Ohio game now. So if we look at this team, uh, I know we started kind of pessimistic. I think Shay did a good job bringing it back around. Let's talk about the defense because, good Lord, this team can still defend. I mean, this team is ranked fourth in Ken Palm in defense, um, and that is adjusted with the competition. So Ken Palm has their the raw defensive rating, and then they adjust it by strength of schedule, and they're still number four in the country, despite, you know, not having played, you know, a high, like, Ohio State-type team. Uh, they're number one in steal percentage, number three in block percentage, number five in two-point percentage defense. Uh, they're only allowing teams to shoot 27% from three, this team is just still incredible defensively. And it's they're switching their defensive ball pressure. Monty Wilkinson, Brandon Murray, we knew those guys were gonna be big and they they've just they've really superseded even my expectations for them. And so um obviously you bring in Tari Eason and Eric Gaines off the bench, and even Alex Fudge, I think, is a solid defender um when he's understanding the 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 concept that they're running. So the defense is just incredible. I mean, not for nothing. Ohio shot, I think 20, 20 what was it? 26% from the field last night. And that's just kind of a microcosm of what it's been this entire season. The one thing Ohio did do well is they didn't turn the ball over that much, only 12 turnovers. And that's what LSU has been feasting on this entire year. Like I said, number one in the country in steal percentage. Yeah. And I think when you, you know, when you start talking about uh, defensive laden teams, like I think, uh, like I think this team is for LSU, I was trying to look, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. Just kind of just pulling, uh, pulling, pulling some uh, some figures off the top of my head. I was trying to think of an LSU team that really played, um, you know, was as good defensively as this team is right here. And Shea might be able to fill in some gaps here, but I mean, I almost go back to like when when they had Stromile Swift and those guys. You know, you, you had some rim protectors on that team. You had that type of long athletic players like this LSU team has right here. Um, and, and I'm sure there may have been some in between there. But I think that I think that this is easily Will Wade's best team defensively that he has had at LSU. I don't recall. I don't recall a team under under Donnie Jones really even under uh under Trent Johnson that jumps out at me as teams that that were just so disruptive and, and not just disruptive you know not not just having a guy in the paint who can you know who can alter shots not just having a you know a strong number 4 who's crashing the boards and 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 who can also slide over play the five you know i'm talking about all five positions on the floor that when you put Tari Eason out there if you when you have Eason spelling Reed early in the game, whether Gaines is in or Murray is in, um, you know, although I do think that Eric Gaines is a really, really terrific player defensively, as long as he stops shooting from the arc, then I, you know, everything would be great with him. But as far as his ability to penetrate and, and play in defense, I love what he brings to the floor. But just one through five, when they put Tari Eason in there. You're really, you really have a, you really have a team that when they switch as much as they like to do, and Matthew, you've done a good job of pointing that out from a schematic standpoint, that there's not a liability on the floor. That even Tari Eason, if Tari Eason jumps out on a big two, or even, you know, even, even, even some point guards, you know, he can keep them at bay long enough to where you know, to, to where he's looking to pass instead of looking to get to the rim. So, you know, I think from a defensive standpoint that this team is just, you know, absolutely lights out. And that's probably – and that's probably why last night that I – you know, why I was such a critic last night because the effort and the intensity that they show on the, de on the defensive end, you know, was just missing for that spell. Yeah, it, well, it's almost too like the only time that they're going to get with switching into any troubles is Gaines gets on to someone that's not a guard. I mean, we saw it last night with Ohio. Like the number of points they had, it was almost like Gaines knew I'm not going to do anything, and Days and them weren't getting over there quick enough, and 
it's sort of easy bat. In fact, Ohio missed a couple of like point blank shots yeah. when they had games on them, uh, which obviously would have made it a little bit closer. But I think they'll they'll be defensively obviously isn't the worry that it's offense, right? Is that where you don't have a double double guy on your team? You don't have like Matthew said last year. The offense wasn't like I think they have a bigger upside almost on offense this year because last year there was no movement. It was when Cam Thomas, it was like ISO basketball. And if Cam Thomas or Smart or Watford got the ball in their hands, notably Smart and Watford, they were going to shoot it because if they gave it up, it wasn't getting back to them at any point. So they all three knew that they had to get their points. Every time they got it, they just, you know, went for it. So you can spread out the scoring a lot more. I almost think there has to be a key piece to this, right? Like is Fudge the key piece? Because He's the, probably the one guy is he averaging five, six points a game. He can get you double digits here and there, but you're really only playing him 16, 17, 18 minutes. So it's not like he's going to have enough time to really get up there. It's, it's either like you have to have those couple of guys that are going to just go on fire or you really better cross your fingers that you're spreading these points out to we, where even on a lot of these nights, Milwaukee's got six or eight. I mean, he's a guy who – sometimes they give you zero and and you won't be upset with it because he's out there to play defense and and you've got other guys who can move it offensively so I'm curious they've just done a good job yeah they've beaten everybody by a lot but it's because everybody has been getting eight or more they're going to get to a point where a couple of guys are cold and they're going to have to have these guys either carry them or really have guys step off the bench like fudge yeah that's going to be the interesting thing is it is the, the offensive slumps but to I want to highlight Tar Eason just a little bit more. I think Sonny did a good job talking about his defensive prowess. I mean, Shay, you text, yeah, you texted me last night, Shay, and you were like, his defensive anticipation's off the charts, and it 100% is. I, the way he's able to anticipate and the length that he has to make the plays and the speed that he has, I think an underrated aspect of his game is his, his quickness because we not only see it on defense but on offense – He's taking people to the rim and he's getting there with some ease and it's dece- and it's a little deceitful because of how big he is but he's getting a step on anybody that guards him that's over like 65. Um so I'm I've been really impressed with him. I think his shooting is going to come around. I don't like the mid-range jumpers as much from him. I don't think his shot allocates itself to having a lot of touch on it, but the three-point shot's going to be there for him. I'm comfortable with that and um I mean his ability to get to the rim offensively has been huge for this team cuz the point guards, while I think they've been fine, haven't been, you know, they, they, they've needed to be spelled that a couple of times, right? There, there are times where you want other a wing to create. And when Darius Days is kind of is hit or miss at this moment, which we'll get into him in a second, I think Tari Easton's done a fantastic job. I mean, he's led the team in scoring the last like two or three games. He's outstanding. And the behind the back dunk that he had, I mean, he has a highlight like that every night now. It's it's incredible. That was that was so bogus because Gaines had just thrown down a sick dunk and then he immediately stole that thunder on like the next possession. Let a man just breathe for a second. Tari with the behind, that behind the back, you probably weren't here for it, Matty B, was like Jarrell Martin's probably the second best dunk since then. Uh, back in the day when Jarrell Martin was in the NBA now, in the middle of like a tight game against Florida and Billy Donovan and them, pulled a fast break between the legs jam when everyone was like, Jesus, dude, don't try that <laughs> Keep that to open gym. Don't bring that to the game. That was what Eason, when he went for the behind the back, I was like, oh, Lord, threw it down. Place went nuts. Um, but, yeah, he's he's a beast. I'm looking for this. I saw a tweet. And let me see. I'll try to find it. But it was something yeah. about Tari Eason's sort of like splits and where his numbers were. And uh, here we go. Tari, Wees- Tari Eason's an elite wing defender with plus shot indicators. Since 2008, only four NCAA, pl- NCAA players have put up a block percentage over five, a steal percentage over three, BPM over 10, and three point out of 100 over three. They were Matisse Thibel, Zion, Chumo Kiki, and Tari Eason. So, I mean, that's the sort of company you're keeping here if you've got that sort of athleticism, uh, but you're also a scorer who can play defense. I mean, that's, like I said, I texted you last night in the middle of the game when I think Ohio was like on a fast break when he had gotten the ball stolen from him. And you could just tell by how he was drifting back midcourt. He was like, oh, he's just going to block this dude. And he paid, timed it perfectly, blocked him. Then dude got it back and went up, and he had blocked him again on the way down. It was like, oh, my gosh, dude, he's just got this. He's got an innate sense of, you know, how people are going up with the ball. And, boy, he can he can swat it. I mean, if you're in that group, Matisse, Zion, and Chuma, you're pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Any any other positives before we go to some question marks here? Sonny, do you have any anything else that's a positive here? Um, I mean, cause with from an eight no team, I, again, albeit strength schedule is not amazing, but hell, I mean, I I think I think to be fair, I'm gonna go. I mean, I, I think Efton Reed's been good, but I think I still think Eric Gaines is still just a real plus for this team, even in the tournaments, even in the tournament turnovers that he had. I still think just the the energy that he has on defense alone just really does wonders for this team. So I'm I'm gonna go with him, and uh, I think, like you said, Sonny, as long as he stops shooting, I think we're we're looking good. Yeah, and and you know when you when you when you look at. I'm critical. I, uh, I mean, you know, critical of, of their, their, their stretch last night. This ain't no start is, oh man, I've got to go. I mean, I mean, there's not a team that jumps out at me off the top of my head. And, you know, I've been watching LSU basketball forever, it seems like. But there's not a team that jumps out at me that has got, that has played as well as this one has from the start of the season to this point of the season right here. He illustrated it perfectly with uh with the with the um uh, with the uh the analytic of how many uh how many points they've won each game by. And I mean that's impressive in itself. And, and while the competition that they played, I know Belmont, even Ohio, you could toss Penn State in there. Um you know, the teams, even Texas State, you know, some of these teams that they played, LSU has had a much – LSU has had a much softer non-conference schedule. They've had a bunch of not soft non-conference schedules to start the season. But I think when you look at it, if you take the name recognition out of it and you look at it to where you're really looking at the players and you're looking at the X's and O's and what they have coming back from last year, this has not been an easy – non-conference stretch that they played right here and i think it's going to prepare them nicely for when sec play when that gets here you know the one thing that kind of worries me and we touched on this when we when i touched on this when we talked about uh adam miller being out and who's going to step up you know you put adam miller into this rotation right here you're going you're going a solid nine deep i really think i really think that by the time february gets here they need to be far enough along to where someone can come in and just give them something, give them some kind of minutes, give them just something. You mean to as, the, as, the, as the eighth man, or do you mean as the ninth man? Okay. Because with Adam Miller, I thought that without a Miller, they're going nine deep. Right now, they're a solid eight deep. Yeah, you know they got that solid eight. Who, but but where's who is someone who can come in and just give them if it's three or four minutes a game? If I don't know. It's I don't know if they have. I don't know if they do either. I don't know if they do either. Sharif, and that's, and that's kind of, who's that? Sharif, if he comes back, possibly, possibly if he can come back. But I think that that's what they're really. You know, if you start looking at okay, what does this team really need? I think that's what it needs. And and I think that I think that ninth person would also. It doesn't have to necessarily come from a person. But it needs to come in something in the form of could it be Xavier Pinson, uh, you know, becoming a better three point shooter than he's been early on because he hasn't been that he hasn't been good early on. He's 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 missed a lot of shots. Brandon Murray, he, he you know very very uh, you know very streaky. Even though he hasn't really gotten on that huge streak, but I think he's a streaky shooter. And I think that you know because like Shay mentioned, one night you're going to have one or two guys who are not on. So who's going to pick up that slack? Can a Pinson come in? Can a Pinson pick up the slack? Can Brandon Murray pick up the slack? I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of confidence right now that there is that one guy who can do that. I think it's going to have to kind of come collectively. Yeah. And, and that's what really and and that, man that's why I really hate the fact that Adam Miller not only do you have a five star out of high school on the bench, guy who played in the uh you know the what was it the junior uh, team USA, you know, played at Illinois, has a you know has a has a high ceiling, but you know, he's on the bench for you right now, you know, and, and yeah. that's just, you know, I think that I think that that's the difference. And I think this is I think this is a legitimate top 25 team. I think the AP poll, the coaches poll, I think they just keep missing on it every week. And it's only a matter of time before they get there. But the difference between a, between being a top 25 team and a team capable of, you know, being on the cusp of that top 10, Adam Miller on this team right here 
puts LSU on the cusp of that top 10, in my opinion. I, I've got a hot take. I think that the Adam Miller outlook or kind of wish back is one of the, is some of the most overrated thought okay. process ever. No, I disagree a hundred percent. Go ahead. Go this ahead. Dude, this dude was playing 20 minutes a game last year and averaged less than an assist a game and averaged eight points and two boards. At Illinois. What, what, what is he going to do right now? freshman that, in the big 10. Will, yeah. At Illinois. Okay. And Brandon Murray is a true freshman playing 28 minutes and getting eight and a half, three. And it, Brandon Murray's stats right now are identical to what he did last year. I'm telling you. The, I'm but, telling you. Know, there's this line of thought, though, that that Pinson and Gaines were, are, like, falling off in distribution. And if they had Miller, Miller wouldn't even have been the point guard, though. Miller would have been a yeah. two, and then yeah, Murray would just two. be not playing as much. So well, Murray would be coming off the bench, too, right now. Well, yeah, yeah Murray would be coming off the bench, yeah. but I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I don't think that Adam Miller would have made this team like light years better. Like I think that this team could be as good as they were without Adam. With Adam Miller, like they've got pieces. They go eight deep. I mean, but Adam you know, Miller gives you seven. If someone gets hurt, Adam Miller. A game. Yeah. Well, that's, oh no doubt. Yeah, and and that's what it. And that's what I kind of. Kinda, yeah. And that's kind of where I'm I just talking think about. That like, people are kind of thinking about Adam Miller like he was some like NBA draft pick this year or something. Like, come on now. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, he averaged eight and two or whatever. Let's, right. You know, but let's say that eight and two goes up to eleven and eleven and three or eleven and four this year, and then it goes up to like let's say it takes Darius Days' climb from his freshman year to where he is now. Each year, I mean, by the you know by the time he's a junior, all of a sudden now you're talking fourteen or fifteen. You know what I mean? Right. So it's not that That's Adam not Miller was is is Superman right now, but it's you know it's that Adam Miller would have been a very good piece to this team, and then next year when you lose a Darius Days, and then you've got a guy Adam you know coming in that you could build off of with Adam Miller who might give you ten or eleven a game this year. You know that's where I think it. You know more of him being a Superman type of player, like you say, you know, it would be down the road. It wouldn't be this year on this team. He would definitely just be a role player this year on this team, but a very good role player, I think. I, uh, I think I would also, and we could also say, too, Gaines is probably the best on-ball defender they've had at LSU in a while at the guard spot. Murray's a really good on-ball defender, and Pinson's right with them in terms of a couple steals a game. So I think with Miller, you're missing the offense, right, that – uh, defensively, or you're missing just the body that you would have been nine deep then. Because defensively, I'm not sure that they're in such like a worse spot. We've said it all along that I think the biggest thing with Miller and like Sonny said, injuries that could be one thing. If Pinson or Gaines get into any foul trouble or Murray, they're kind of screwed because you've only got three guards in the whole team right now. So that's going to be big, right? It's just keeping those three out of foul trouble. Parker yeah. Edwards. <laughs> Yeah, he'll get in. He'll get in. Let's oh, look man. at Par- Parker's average. Knock on Maddie, wood. Maddie oh, B man. can't get away from Parker Edwards. Knock on wood. All right. Um, I'll 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 uh and I'll wrap up the Adam Miller point and then at least into another point. Uh, just saying, I disagree with both y'all. I actually do think he would be the best offensive player on this team by a, a pretty wide margin. I think he'd lead the team in scoring. Um, and I think. And that goes into a different discussion where I, I do think it would put them on the fringes of 15 to 15 range with him. Um, and I, I think the offense, and this can go into a bigger point, the offense is so reliant on everybody pretty much being on the same page right now and everybody clicking. And also their defense fueling their offense. The, when we, We've seen when this team gets in a half-court type of game and when they just get in the half-court in general against anybody, it can be, it can be tough at times. And I think having that one guy in Adam Miller who would be able to come off ball screens and score a lot more effectively than Xavier Pinson, then, I mean, obviously Brandon Murray and Moani Wilkinson and Eric Gaines. I mean, I think from a guard perspective, he would give this team something very, very different. The, the only practice, uh, I mean, I, the only practice I went to when I watched Adam Miller, I was like, yeah, that guy's the best offensive player on this team by a pretty wide margin. And we've seen it, right? Everybody else. I mean, Tari Eason's leading this team in scoring at this point. Like Darius Day's had his good games and we'll talk about him, but he's obviously fallen off. 
Tari Eason might be the best offensive player on this team, like on a consistent basis as far as finishing, you know, and what he creates. You have Darius and you have Xavier, but I think Adam Miller is by far would have been the best offensive player on this team. So um, does let's let's talk about concern here. Offensively, do you think that it is sustainable in what they're doing right now? Does it give you a lot of cause for reserve going to the SEC? Um, and I mean, to me, it is a little worrisome how much they rely on turnovers to create points for them. Because when you play better teams, they're not going to turn the ball over as much. Like we saw Ohio, they didn't turn the ball over as much. Go. Who's got who? Yeah, Ohio didn't turn it over really at all. And the half court offense kind of sucked. It was a lot of just standing around. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would think a hope to the offense. And again, if seven of the eight guys you have, in your rotation all play 20 something minutes then yeah you're reliable you're relying on across the board that they're all doing something for you like i said even last night milani gets you eight and you know it's happening it's a it's a forgetful eight but he'll get you eight points and it'll be a difference maker here and there i think that with and i don't know what like you say miller's would have been the best scorer on the team okay is he is a 20 point game guy because like you said right now tar easton's at like 14 15 a game and he can lead the team in scoring i think days actually might Dades, that's Dades leads, yeah, Dades leads the team, but that's skewed a good bit because of how much he went off in a couple of those games. Bro. I would I would also think that then without having Miller, they've been forced, and they'll be forced more, especially with teams that don't turn the ball over and they just can't run and uh, you know take the ball, steal it, and go down and dunk it. But if you're kind of cutting out fast breaks, you're going to get more into a half-court offense where more guys are going to – you're going to have to work the ball around, more guys are touching it. And I think as you get into SEC play, all those guys will become a little bit more comfortable with how they get their points every game. Um, you know, not one of those things like, for instance, we and I go back to last year when you saw if you've got a big three carrying them, everyone knew that, okay, we just need days to do something now. And if days can get 10 points, we'll win every game because these three are going to get you 75. And then if days can throw 10 in, you're good. I think it's understood right now that all the guys know, like, I got to go out and get eight a night. You know, I got to go out and get – uh, something out there and put three or you know three guys into double digits. So it'll be 10, 14, and 14 or whatever. And and normally that's Eason and Days, like you said. But I would think that I'm not worried about it unless we don't see them continue to develop on that end. Like I think – I would say Gaines – I wouldn't say Pinson's there yet. We've seen little splashes. But I would say Gaines and Murray are probably giving more on the offensive end than people thought that they would right out of the gate. Definitely. And if you can just keep going with that, then those guys will feel better about what they can do every night. Let shots come to you. Like I said, like Sonny said, Gaines' biggest issue is when you're going down, especially in the half court, and he just goes down and shoots a three. It's like we haven't passed the ball to anybody. We're not, nothing's been set up yet. And you're not even open. And now you've jacked up a three and wasted a possession. If you get to eliminate and all that, I think they'll be fine on offense. I'd be like Wade though. That continues your piss because they looked awful in the half court last night. And, what did they shoot? Probably like 20% from three. Certainly were in the 40s on field goal range. And they had like four offensive boards. Like probably three or four of the rebounds hit the floor before the Ohio guy got it. So yeah. I would say on offense, you're worried about scoring and all that and consistency. Yeah, but boy, they need to they need to get aggressive on the offensive end, especially on the boards because Ohio was bodying them. Not even bodying them last night. They just weren't even around to get any rebounds. It was weird. Y'all would have loved the broadcast last night, John Brady, um, Ohio, and I, for, I forget the kid's name, but I, I do remember he going in. He had like he was hit shooting like eighteen percent from the arc, and uh, oh man, I think he took like three or four or like you know very pretty early in the game, missed all four. I think like three of them might like three of them may not have even hit the rim, may have grazed the net or something, and John Brady goes. And there's that 18% three-point shooter again, and you wonder, why does he keep shooting? <laughs> so when you talk about Eric Gaines, that, that's what made me think of it with that, you know, with him coming down the court and just jacking up a shot that, you know, last year with Cam Thomas, you know, there's there's a chance he might make those. Whereas with, you know, with Gaines, you know, he hasn't shown that he can consistently do that. But that's my biggest concern going into, you know, once they start getting into that SEC schedule, is that there's no one, there's really no one between Gaines, Pinson, Murray, I mean, Days, really you just go down the list. 
they're all spot up and shoot guys from the arc. There's no one when Tari Eason and, and Matthew, you made a good point that I agree with you. Tari Eason is your best guy at creating one on one and having success to get to the basket and have a very makeable shot. Uh, you know, Eric Gaines with his with his Euro steps. I mean, that dude, the one thing he does have, he's got an unbelievable stride because that guy take that guy covers so much ground yeah. in those euros yeah, takes like two steps from the three point line and somehow <laughs> exactly exactly you know, yeah but so who is going to be that who's going to do that you know when they get in SEC play you need a three you need a three pointer Darius Days is on the bench with three or four fouls. Who's going to be that guy? You know, Brandon Murray, I think, could be that guy because, you know, he's 6'5". He's got a little bit of quickness. He's got some ball skills. He can, you know, he can pull up. He hasn't shown that he can make it, but he can create he can he can create enough distance to where he can get a good look at the get a good look at the rim. But in SEC play, you know, who's going to give them that um, you know, that threat from outside? You know, yeah. I don't think it's going to be Pinson because to me, you know, I thought Javante Smart last year, he had to really have a good spot up and he was deadly when he did. But even when Xavier Pinson gets that spot up, he's just not his shots are just off from the outside. You know, it seems like they're short, whether it's the front of the rim, whether it's the side of the rim. You know, we talked about gains. So that's my biggest thing is once they get an SEC play. Who's going to be that guy when you come down and you need a three and Darius Days is not having a good day or Darius Days is on the bench? Who's going to be that guy? And, and, and that's another area that I think by no means do I think that Adam Miller was going to light it up from, from three-point range. But I saw enough of him to where he can dribble, he can create, and then he can pull up. And, and yeah. I think that that's another area that him not being there, that I think that he could have been that guy. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Darius Days. Let's talk about Darius Days. Um, starts the season in the first four games of the year, going 17 of 29 from three. In the last four games, he's gone three of 19 from three. And uh, the looks haven't really changed too much to me, uh, even in those ones that he made against UL Monroe, Texas State, and whatnot. A lot of those were contested as well. A lot of those were the catch and jab step and then rise up and shoot. Uh, over defender and they were going in early and now they're not going in and now even the open ones aren't really going in and now he's gone to his post uh post moves a little bit more he's gotten in the paint uh which i've commend him for but it's those little in-between shots that are bothering me i would wish you know if either get all the way to the rim or drive and kick and penetrate you can become a little bit more of a creator that way uh, i do give him credit he got 13 rebounds last night only one offensive but still um i i give him credit for at least fighting still and trying to find ways to help this team, even though his shots just has not been falling. Yeah, I mean, really, it, and you look at his shots, with that Belmont game was probably the one where he was so cold that they just quit. Like, he just quit shooting it. I think at one point, like, he was – he probably finished that game with one Damn basket. I think he, yeah, I think he had hit a bunch at the free throw line that day. That's probably his worst game. But let's see, it's refreshing. Okay, so his last – yeah, he was one of six against Belmont. So they, he's normally taking 10-plus shots a game. So they just quit shooting that game, get over it. Then four of 14, five of 13, four of 10. I mean, is, is like from you the said, field? Yeah. yeah, right. Is there some – is he just getting bad shots? Is it more contested? Now he's just not going in because you weren't always going to get ULM, but you would have thought you would have reached a spot where you're getting a little bit more consistent. And he'll give you 12 and 14 a night. It's just – He's having to manufacture it at the line or in different ways. He's just been cold shooting the ball really since Liberty. I mean, third game of the season was probably the last time you felt good about what his field goal percentage was. Oh, yeah, I Liberty was see. Liberty was before McNeese. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I, yeah, so you can even go – yeah, you can even I, – I had McNeese as the third game of the season, but it's the fourth game of the season. So you can even say first three games of the year, eight of nine, three of six, five of ten. Since then, and this is from three, one of four, one of four, oh of four, uh, one of six, one of five. That's that's in that's yeah, a, that's awful. a big drop. Yeah. What I'd like to see Darius do more of is I'd like to see him in, in instead of trying to, you know, instead of jacking him up from outside to start a game, I'd love to see him do what he did last night, man. When the ball wasn't falling, he said, Okay, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna do what I did last year. And it was it was going down, getting the ball in the paint, you know, some jump hooks, some some uh, some easy little easy little floaters. 
I'd like to see him do that to start a game, try to get you a couple of baskets inside. You get your opponent worried about that, and then you go, and then you can step outside. Because what I've seen, what we've seen him do is that whether he's hot or whether he's cold, he's jacking it up from three until it's almost until it gets to where, okay, this guy can't hit the side of a barn right now, so now I'm going to go take it inside. I'd like to see him develop, you know, take that inside game and then bring that outside, and I think that would just add a new dynamic to, uh, you know, to the defenders having to defend him. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything else on Darius uh, besides I agree with both of y'all, um, and I do think his defensive effort for the most part has been really good as well. But I'm not going to let us get out of here. Oh, do you have something to say, Shay, before we move on? Well, yeah, I was going to touch. Where, where are you about to talk about Efton Reed? I was just going to. Yeah, say, I was going to say I'm not going to let us. I'm not going to let us get out of here without talking about Efton Reed, at least a little bit, because we haven't brought him up at all. Um, I think uh, he ended the game last night with what is that? Twelve points and eight. No, eight points. I'm sorry. Um, eight points and seven rebounds. Uh, where are we at with Efton Reed? Because it feels like sometimes he can be the best player on the court, and then sometimes it feels like I forget he's on the court. I love. I think he's the second best player on the team, right there, Atari. I mean, I think too. What you forget about Afton is, as a freshman, how heads he is. He had found. He basically fouled Vanderplas out of that game. He was about to get Carter into foul trouble at the end. Like, you can see those times where I kill call for the ball, and whether it's just happening in a timeout, and he's just cognizant of it, remembers to go out there and get it. But call for the ball get a pump fake in, draw the contact, and you look up and the guy's got four fouls now. And it's like he's an 18-year-old realizing where the other guys are at with their fouls. He's coachable. He understands it. And I just think because we haven't gotten to see a true five that can score in a long time at LSU like this, back to the basket, taking someone on, whatever it is. But his variety of what he can do with both hands around the rim is nuts. I mean, that's a guy that I think they'll continue to lean on. And he's really smart about not getting into foul trouble. Like you could tell he knows throughout the game kind of how to lay off guys, when he's going to go up and really contest a shot or not. He's smart about going up. He goes straight up a ton. He doesn't find himself uh, getting cheap fouls. So I think he's probably one of the more exciting players I've gotten to watch this year, just because he's for a big man. That's a true freshman uh, like that. I mean, Matty B, you and I looked at the basketball game. He was the number three center and the number one and two centers are very, very good players. But I think he was like the number 30 player overall in the class or something like that, whatever it was, a five-star, maybe in the 20s. Yeah. And, and we looked at it, and you said he's probably playing himself into that 15 range of best freshman in the country. And that's really, really good. I mean, you'll take it every night yeah. of the week. So I, I think he's, he's going to be a real bright spot for him. He is an absolute beast. And he's never – Efton Reed is never going to replace Gert Hammock as the best center to ever play at LSU. Let's just get that out of the way right now. Yeah, Gert right. Hammock will always hold that title. <laughs> but I think when you when you look at all of LSU's players, when you look at all of LSU's players, I think Xavier Pinson, you know, basically pretty much everyone except Efton Reed, I kind of look at him and I say, you know, I ex you expect to get this from him pretty much all year. And I don't think you're going to get a whole lot more from him than what you've seen but i think with efton reed that he's that one guy that you look at and you say man this this kid once he gets one once he gets about 15 16 17 games under his belt he gets a little more confidence and he gets a little more comfortable he's that guy that you can see if he's averaging eight and seven right now you i could see him getting up to 10 11 maybe 12 you know nine maybe averaging that double double but he's that one guy that I look at and I say, okay, he is nowhere near his ceiling. And so I, I think that as the season goes along, you know, whether LSU is able to continue to, um, you know, continue to, to get all of the talk that they're getting right now as far as being, you know, maybe being one of the better teams in the SEC to be one of those better teams in the SEC when those games roll around. You know, I touched on the outside shooting, but I also think that Efton Reed has to continue to pick his game up, and I think he's going to also because the drop steps that he's making right now, the ball fakes that he's making right now, you don't see too many true freshmen doing that. And and when you you know y'all been at most of the games, so I don't know if you've seen his close up or not. But when they show when they show his face up close, it's almost like you can still tell that he's still thinking a lot. You know, he's still processing a lot to where when he gets to where he's playing and not processing much and just playing, 
I think that he's that guy who's just going to keep just keep ascending from a talent standpoint and from what he's going to give them this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. I think a big thing for him as well is that he's not being pressured. He's not being thrown into where he has to play 30-plus minutes a game. I like that they have Tari and Darius and that three-man rotation to where Efton's not – they're not like Efton. We, you have to be good this night. You have to put up 14 and 8 or else we're not going to win. They have Tari. They have Darius who have both come in and are more experienced guys that they can rely on as well. So – um, like you said, Efton's feeling his way around right now. He's going to continue to improve. I mean, I personally, and I've been asked this a lot. Do I think he's going to? Do I think he's a one and done? Probably not, just because you know back to back centers typically don't get drafted in the first round. And you know, as a freshman, maybe as a sophomore, you want to continue to develop. And I think that just does wonders for this program to have a guy like that because you said there's not a lot of freshmen in the country that play like him. There's not a lot of just centers in the country in general that play. Uh, with that level of poise with the back to the basket in today's day and age it's it's really impressive and that's a big thing that i think they're gonna have to continue to improve on because while i think pinson and Gaines are have done fine i think having and you know, i talked about tari eason's ability to penetrate and collapse a defense efton's ability to, to collapse a defense himself is going to be big for this team moving forward i think we covered everybody not every not everybody can be chet holmgren out there maddie b you're right. You're right about that. They're, You're right about they're that. working towards it. I will say, though, too, because uh, Sonny was talking about this with Pinson, like when could he take over that game? And I, I made me, I looked it up because I kind of remembered your breakdown, Matty B. But there was that TCU game. I think he had like 40 points in that game against Missouri. But there's a lot of games in Missouri where he was getting 20-something a night. Now, there's a lot of games where he was getting 7, 8, 9. But at least you know it's it's out there for him. Like, he's got it in him. I'm with Sonny, though. You see half the time he shoots, and you're like, oh, man, geez. Like, he's just not going to have it tonight. It's but like he pushes it, too. Like you can a push see some, Yeah. And there were some spots in the eight games where he had some really big shots, that, especially from three, that you're like, all right, boy, that helped him. And Gaines, too, both of them. Um, that was a Penn State game, I, I think, right? Yeah, G- Gaines doesn't have it in him to go for 20 a night or whatever, and you don't want him to. Uh, I think Pinson would get that green light if he starts to settle in. You know, I would totally sure. think that could happen. For sure. 20 turnovers, baby. <laughs> Man, y'all are some haters, <laughs> but guess what? Where's the shirt? Where's the shirt, Shay? Where's the shirt? He has it. <laughs> you need to start wearing that on basketball podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd have <laughs> to wear it backwards. He's not and get you well a, and get you a flat. Uh, get you a flat. Uh... The, the front just comes across very Justin Jefferson. Like no one cares about that. It's the I got to wear it backwards, I think. So you wear, yeah, yeah, wear it backwards. There you go. My mom last night at the game was like, "Did you get that from the sports shop? Do they have Parker Edwards ones?" I was like, "No, what? No, (laughs) these are NIL deals over here. You can't get any of that." Hey, Parker, Parker's got to get his NIL up, man. He could, he could sell some shirts. Hey, I don't, I don't see anybody else out there averaging 100 percent at the line, getting three and five minutes every time they go out. Just really, just one person sending sending ten thousand people into a frenzy every time he touches the ball. I I would sell some shirts if I was Parker Edwards. That's all I'm gonna say. He reminds me a lot of Mawani Wilkinson, except can't play any defense. So they're very similar players in the sense of just no the no offensive game. They've got very similar offensive numbers. No defense allowed. The simple fact joke. that Parker just Edwards. <laughs> The simple fact that Parker Edwards is not walking around wearing a walk-on shirt everywhere he goes is oh, uh, he's, bad he's marketing so by Brandon. And I don't know, is, is Jack even still involved with walk-ons? I'm not sure if Jack is. But Bra- for so. Brandon to not have Parker Edwards in walk-ons gear day and night is, uh, is well, amazing. He, he gave him that scholarship, and then that night he went out and threw up like five points. So, I mean, that was like the career moment. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. I forgot about that. I forgot no. about. Okay, so yeah, he's getting love from him. Then he's getting love. Parker, come hire. Go twenty four seven as your marketing team. We're here. We are here for you. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> here, this 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 drives home your Milwaukee. My Milwaukee uh, joke actually was a joke, obviously. Uh-huh, of course, Milwaukee. Mo- uh, 21 points a game for, or 21 minutes a game, four points. Uh, your boy Parker, five minutes a game, three points. So we're not far off from striking the Milani's offensive game 
down a bit. You don't want that on your resume. Mwani needs to go out there. Next game, Mwani is going to go drop 25 to make sure Parker is nowhere near him on the stat list. <laughs> I'm trying to look up how much Parker averages per 40 minutes. He averages yeah, 20 well, points uh, per 40 minutes. There you go. Wouldn't Parker be a trillionaire in, an, in a sense, except he scores when he's out there. To be a trillionaire, you need one minute and then nothing else at all on yeah. your entire stat line. Yeah. So, Oh man! All right, we've talked about everybody. Uh, we previewed, we talked about the team in plenty of depth. Like I said, four games left until the start of conference uh, conference play, which is starts with Auburn on the road on December 29th. Um, it is a little concerning that, not to continue this podcast any longer, but it's a little concerning they just played so many home games at this point, and they continue it continues with Northwestern State and Lipscomb uh, also at home. When is their first ro- true road game? Georgia Tech. Well, Georgia yeah. Tech's at State Farm Arena, and I'm assuming that's where Georgia Tech plays their home games. I don't know that, but uh, that's, yeah, that's that's where the is Hawks that where play. they play them. That's where the I Hawks Georgia, play. I thought Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech has an on-campus facility. Oh, do they? So yeah, I well, they're they playing did. at State Farm Arena, which I'm because I know in Atlanta, and, and I know when the Hawks used to play yeah. like in the Omni, yeah. that uh, Georgia Tech didn't play there. Georgia Tech had their own uh, on-campus facility. Yeah, that Georgia Tech has a campus facility. They called yeah. the McMichigan. McCamish Pavilion. Um, so that'll be a neutral site in a sense. So wait, yeah. when is their first is their first true road game an SEC game? Yes, because Louisiana Tech is in is in a Bowser City, which is a neutral site. Right. Um, yeah. So technically, their first true road game is Auburn. In the oh huh? yeah. They, Let's see it. Um, yeah, December 29th. So we'll probably do a podcast between after the Lipscomb game, probably previewing uh, SEC play, just what we think about that. Uh, as far as the basketball side goes, next week we will do a uh, football podcast Podcast once uh, Coach Kelly gets his staff in order. And once, I mean, man, signing day, early signing day is almost here. So we will have a podcast on that up next week. So stay tuned for that. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, uh, leave a like, comment, and share it, all that good stuff. Uh, if you're on Spotify, follow us. If you're on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and review. You can follow us on Twitter, at Matthew Bruni, at Sunny Ship, and at Shea Dixon. We appreciate y'all for uh, joining us, and uh, boot up. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.